podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation of this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts, or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. I am super excited to announce that I have just released an Oracle deck that I have created called the 90 Question Deck. It is available on Game Crafters and through me, and it is a series of profound questions combined with artwork, in fact, 90 of them, to create the foundation for a reading. If you're a charm caster, they make a great base for you to spread out and make a reading casting area and cast your charms on. If you're a journaler or a meditator or any of these kinds of things, um, they're a fantastic place to start. They can help get you out of being stuck at some point in your process. And I often use them with clients as a closing for the reading to send them off and help them take what they've learned out into the world. So if this sounds like your cup of tea, uh, please check it out, thehermitslamp.com, uh, or if you search 90 questions on Game Crafters, you can get it there, especially if you're in the States, that might be the best option. So welcome to the next installment of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I am here today for what is becoming an annual tradition to have a chat with Barbara Moore about life, divination, uh, and, and how that affects us and changes us and guides us and where we meet that on the road and how do we, how do we live you know, a life that is inspired by magic and divination and all these wonderful things uh, and, and also still live in this world. So I'm sure everybody knows who you are, Barbara, but for those who maybe don't, uh, why don't you give us a quick, hey, this is who I am. Yes, absolutely. Quick. Hey, who am I? I um, am most known for my work in tarot. I have written um, a lot of companion books for a lot of decks. I have um, worked on um, designing the Steampunk Tarot, which is my favorite project and maybe my best known one. I've written a book on tarot spreads and have a new book just recently out called Your Tarot Your Way, and it is a book that helps you um, start your tarot journey, or if you're in the middle of it, kind of bring it back into um, focusing on you and your beliefs, thereby making it more authentic and more natural for you. Awesome. And that's me. And so this is uh, the third podcast that I will have done with Barbara at this point, so check the show notes and go back and listen to the other two. Uh, because I think that they were fascinating and parts of today's conversations will probably uh, refer back or, or be built upon those previous talks. So uh, check them out. Um, so I guess let, let's start with, with the, the follow-up before we step into the other stuff maybe we're going to talk about. Okay. You, you ditched social media. You left Facebook and yet you still exist. You're still there. I'm talking to you. How has, <laughs> how has that been? What's, what's that been like for you? 
<laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, it's been pretty interesting. Um, I don't, had I quit when we talked last time or was I just talking about quitting or no, it was in the fall. So, okay. So you got, you haven't talked to me on your podcast since I quit. Mm-hmm. I quit last January. Um, mostly I was on Facebook. That was my main thing. And I was pretty on there a lot and it was good. I had lots of followers and really what I thought of as were great friends. The conversations were usually super good. So I didn't leave because someone was mean to me or I I was sick of the negativity. Although, you know, there's some of that. You can't avoid that on there. Um, Well, believe me, during an election year, maybe it was the best year to quit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm not missing any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So um, the reason why I quit was... um, I felt, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this later, but I was feeling this push, this drive to um, drop these energetic cords that were on me. Um, I just needed to be all in myself. And to, well, one of my weaknesses is um, I and it's a very Capricorn kind of thing. So people understand that sign, they, this may resonate with them. I've always defined myself by the reflection of others, how others saw me, judged me, rated me, whatever, you know, getting all A's in school, doing the whatever. And I really knew it was time to stop that and to, and Facebook was great because people were so kind and nice and friendly. They were reflecting this awesome person back to me. I thought I was like, wow, but I knew I needed to be able to think that without that reflection. So that was kind of the reason why, but so much more has happened because of that. Uh, Now, People will ask, it was hard the first month, six, the first two weeks were the worst, and then it got easier after that. Now it's to the point where I don't even care. Don't, if it's on Facebook, it doesn't even matter to me anymore. Um, But what has really um, changed for me is I feel a couple of things. One is I feel like I am really more present in my life. Even to the point where, like, when I'm with other people, I don't have my phone on the table, which is, I don't know about people you hang with, but, like, in my family, my extended family, everything, phone is always on the table. And if it jingles, everything is stopped. And sometimes the phone is even answered during dinner and talked over. Yeah, I mean, it's just really weird how people are. And... Um, I just kind of use my phone when I'm using my phone and don't use it when I'm not using it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things- like a year ago, maybe longer, I think maybe like a year and a half ago, I just turned off all the sounds except for the phone itself ringing. Mm-hmm. And there's only like, I don't know, maybe five people who ever call me on my yeah. phone. So, you know, if I, if it, someone rings me, uh, you know, it's somebody that I, it's, you know, it's my mom or it's my partner or, you know, it's mm-hmm. the school calling about my kids or whatever. Like it's, it's something that I'm like, huh, I, I maybe ought to look at this. And I yeah. just, I ditched everything else, all the other notifications, all the other things, because I don't, I don't want it 
I don't want to be pulled towards it. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be working when I'm not working. And it feels like the, the line between work and non-work for me on social media is, is blurry at best and non-existent much of the time. <laughs> exactly. I hear you there, boy. I know everything on Facebook felt like, okay, how is this going to affect my business? How does this represent my brand? Whatever, whatever. Um, yeah, it blurs that line. And who, and then who are you as a person who's not a, a worker? It, yeah. Mm. Kind of similar to not wanting to be the worker too is also not wanting to be distracted. You know, always having things blinging and bonging means that you always have an out, you know, for whatever's going on in terms of your attention and your focus. Mm-hmm. And now I, I'm so embarrassed and I meant to look this up because I've been thinking about it a lot lately in terms of that. When I was in college, we had in Comp 101, we had, you know, this collection of essays to read. And one of them was an excerpt from a novel. It might have been by Kurt Vonnegut, but I honestly don't remember. But And I don't remember the name of the novel it came from. But the essay, the, the it was a short uh, a bit from a novel, so it was like a story. But it was about this and futuristic thing. And it was about handicapping people so that everybody was equal. Mm. So, like, if you were really smart, they put something in your head to make a buzzing sound every 60 seconds so you were more normal. Or if you were very athletic, they put weights on your feet so you wouldn't be. And so now I think when I think of people always looking at their phone and how sometimes it feels like I can't have a conversation with someone that has any depth or their attention in it, they're always looking at their phone. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting comparison And then another thing is when I'm somewhere that's like lovely or enjoyable or whatever, I'm not pulling out my phone to take pictures anymore. Mm. I'm looking at it. And I thought, you know, that went on, has gone on for a while and I started noticing it and I'm like, well, that's sad. I'm missing all these beautiful photo opportunities. And then I recently cleaned off my hard drive and downloaded like, 6,000 photos onto a portable storage hard drive of photos that I haven't ever looked at after I took them. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them I do, yes, but the I'd say 98% of them, I'm just taking them to take them and I never look that and I don't print them. I don't put them in a photo album. It's like, okay, so I'm giving up the moment to take a picture that's never going to matter again. Mm-hmm. So, so that the other thing too, and this was was kind of a big thing the past year or so, I feel like, um, I've been thinking new thoughts and having new ideas and going in new directions. And I think one of the reasons is I'm not working so hard to like keep my brand pure or focused or be all entrepreneurially smart or whatever. And the other thing is and again, I'm sure this is very personal to me because of the way I operate, is since I'm not seeing what all my colleagues are doing all the time, I'm not comparing myself to them. Mm -hmm. So that when I have these new ideas or go in these new directions, I'm not thinking, oh, is it as, you know, dynamic as so-and-so's or is it going to be as popular as so-and-so, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. I think that that, that is a, a thing for sure. And 
you know, there, there's a reason why I don't consume a lot of other people's stuff. Um, in part, which is because I just, I'm, I'm always seeking to carve out as much time to be creating as possible. And mm -hmm. although, you know, I love talking with other people and engaging with other people, um, I, I don't have a lot of time and I do find it distracting, especially if you, you know, you run into people who are doing something that's maybe feels similar or, you know, like, like there was a book that came out on the Toth deck last year, maybe, maybe a year ago or so. And I was like, oh, someone beat me to it. And I was like, and then I'm like, oh, well, maybe, I don't know, whatever. And, you know, it's just, it gets distracting instead of just showing up and typing. It just, you know, it, it just becomes like, oh, well, I don't know what's going on with there. And it's just too much like that. And it's so easy to, to get in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that one of the best things that you can do is like not be entrepreneurial about stuff. I think that it's such a, such a complete waste of time, really. Most of the time, right? Like I think, sure, you, you, you need to, you need to be mindful of things and make deliberate decisions but I think that the idea that 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 we're we're in an age where people need to be this way or that way or, or do specific things, it's like I ah, figure out what you think makes sense. It probably does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the main questions I got asked by my colleagues when I went off Facebook was how has it affected your business? Mm -hmm. And and a lot of them said, oh, I'd love to get off, but I can't because I have to be on there because of my business. And, and I understand that. Um, that, but luckily for me, that wasn't true. And I'm grateful mm -hmm. for that. Well, I think that there's lots of, there's lots of ways to go about things, right? And there, mm -hmm. there are lots of people who, who aren't active in social media in those ways. You know, I think that it's, uh, yeah. I, I, and I think that it's also a matter of, Deciding what you want and then looking for that and making it happen and mm -hmm. noticing when you're getting derailed from it, right? Because there, there are spaces that I've been in where I'm like, it was fantastic for a period of time and now it's not. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I just leave them. I'm just like, yeah, I don't need to be attached to this. I can just move on. Right. And it's not even with judgment on the people who are still hanging out there or whatever. It's sure. like, just not for me right now. And mm -hmm. that's all that matters, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. And, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. You know, one of the things that I certainly really dig about social media, um, and really one of the reasons why I started doing the podcast is it's very, it's Toronto's a very strange city in that it's quite big, but it's quite disconnected. It's very hard to meet people here and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I love being able to connect with people that I can, in some ways, have, have like, these really deep and interesting conversations with, mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of where, where much of what social media is sort of, you know, is, is put down for, which is these sort of brief, you know, less profound whatever. So I'm like, no, no, no. I think there, there are windows for these deep things, but you need to look for them and, and be committed to them, and mm -hmm. then maybe you can find them, so... Yeah. yeah, that's a good, that's really interesting point because one of the things um, that I was going to mention was 
that was a difference for me was the difference between talking versus engaging. Mm -hmm. And, um, for me, when I was on Facebook, I'm like, Oh, I have all these friends. And the first time in my life, I feel like, wow, (laughs) they love me. (laughs) Yes. They love me. They really do. And then after I, it was, what was real. And these are people who I actually thought were like friend friends. And, um, then I was like off Facebook and then, you know, six, nine months later, people would like contact Lisa and say, oh, I just noticed Barb's not been on Facebook. Is she okay? Like nine months later, nine months, took you mm-hmm. nine months to notice I wasn't there. Yeah. That's weird. Now, well, I, I miss you every day on Facebook. So. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I don't even remember what I like on Facebook anymore. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad like you have found this way to deeply engage with people that way because I realized I didn't. And now I'm actually doing most of that through written letters, Mm. like paper and pen and stamps and stickers and doodling on the papers. And it's fun and I love it. I've always loved paper and, and marking supplies. So it makes, and then like when I get emails that feel like letters, you know, where people are just visiting and chatting, which I do get that. And they're deeper than like the Facebook message chattings were for me. Mm-hmm. But something about it being on the screen makes me anxious. Yeah. Like I didn't really noticed that until not very long ago because um, I'm much more relaxed and vulnerable and intimate and open when it's on paper. It's so awesome. I know. And, you know, like, you said everybody is different and you know, for people who can do it online, it's so much easier and so much more convenient and cheaper. Um, you know, you don't have to buy paper and stamps and whatever, but, oh, but um, buying paper and stamps and you gotta have the right pen, of course, you know, I mean, that's an important yes. thing. And I mean, that, to me, that's a, that, that's a rabbit hole that I could get like the opposite of social media, like social media, like I pick it up, I put it down. Going and buying the right pen, that could take me weeks. I could, like, you know, lose a month to that process, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I meant the electronic communication is cheaper and easier. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, okay. I mean, like, I got to go. I got to try it. I don't know if it's the right <laughs> one. Maybe I got to go somewhere else. Maybe I do some reading online and see which ones are good. You know, I, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> well, I've been listening to a podcast called The Pen Addict uh-huh. and learning all about pens. I have not. I've only have one fountain pen and I haven't gotten more, but I kind of want to get like refillable ones. Not because the perfect pen is one thing, but there are all kinds of inks out there. Yeah. Like gorgeous colors, some with like shimmer and metallic and, Oh, I'm so into that. So (sighs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, so while we're talking about uh, tools, maybe this is a, a good time to sort of segue into the other thing that we thought we'd talk about today, mm-hmm. which was divination and tools. Mm-hmm. What what are you what yeah? Are you, what are you divining with these days? Um, what am I divining with? Well, for clients, I'm divining with tarot cards. With myself, mm-hmm. I'm divining <laughs> with. Well, kind of with art supplies. I mm-hmm. didn't actually know that until just now. Um, but I keep lately whenever I'm talking to people, I'm always using art and art supplies as metaphors for tarot. And 
I'm like, wow, that makes sense. That's where it's all coming from. Um, when I was young, I was really artistic and creative and won contests in elementary school and stuff. And then as happens with a lot of people who study art, something happens in middle school or high school and that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. And something like that happened. And so last year I'm, I picked up some art supplies and took some classes. So I've been kind of, uh, healing that wound and trying to catch up with, you know, all the learning and skill building that I lost in the past, like 40 years. And, uh, so I'm thinking about tools and I'm thinking about mediums and is this the direction you wanted me to go with this? Yeah, I think it's okay. fantastic. Okay. So I have always thought of tarot as a tool and I've heard a lot of my friends and colleagues say that, you know, like, oh, are the cards evil? No, the cards are just a tool, which is a great way to say it. Mm. But I think if we, for me to be more precise, I think it's more of a medium than a tool and it's such a small difference, but learning about art and different mediums and art has been really helpful for me as a tarot teacher. I have always kind of flattered myself that I'm good at remembering what it's like to be a beginner, mm. but this is like taking it up another notch for me. And well, so, hmm? well, I was just saying, I mean, I think that for me, straight up art is, art is magic, right? Right. You know, I mean, like you're, you're, that what you're talking about here, I think that it's, it's completely, um, it's completely the way things are though, right? Like art, symbol, magic, um, you know, like some of the early tarot decks were, we could think of them as acts of magic in mm -hmm. as much as we could think of them as works of art and tools for divination as well. Right. Like I think that mm -hmm. these things all flow together and it's sort mm -hmm. of a more modern notion that we've parsed them out into like, well, that is science there and this is, you know, religion or spirituality and this is art and, you know, the, those things don't overlap or, or they, you know, they need to be looked at separately. I think they're all one thing. And I think that in some ways it's kind of what I see a lot of people exploring and discovering and being, bringing back these days. Yes, you're right. You're right. So not tarot's not a tool. It's a medium. Tarot is a tool. It's also a medium. And here's where the medium part gets kind of interesting to me, because to me, thinking of tarot as a tool is like when you learn techniques you know, here's what you can do with tarot. And those, like the art classes that taught me techniques were useful, but the ones that really helped me make it my own and get out of trying to copy what the teacher was doing was when they taught me about the nature of watercolor. Mm. Do you know what I mean? The difference between a technique and understanding how the medium works. Yeah, totally. Is that okay. So I think, you know, when you start thinking of tarot more as a medium where you can kind of learn the parts of it and what they do when they interact and blah, 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 but it's really a medium and you can do what you want with it and then learn about techniques and tools or whichever. I mean, it doesn't matter what order, like you say, it all kind of flows together. But yeah, that felt kind of like a, a revelation to me, kind of opened up the idea of what tarot is a little bit more. And oh, and 
about art and, and magic and, you know, you can make, you can paint or draw symbols or whatnot. And that is a great way to like tap into the magic. Mm-hmm. And you asked me how I was divining lately. And so for me, when I'm making a piece of art, I don't always know what I'm making. And it's after it's done that I see the message. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So it is just the act of creating the piece is an act of divination for myself. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's exactly like when I'm doing the magical portraits that I do and when I'm <laughs> doing the impossible readings that I do. Impossible readings. Amazing. You know, I, I don't sit down with a notion of what things should be. Right. I sit down and I start with, you know, with, with a, a tool or a medium Oh, I, f- I feel like this color, or I feel like this brush stroke, or I feel like this pattern, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then that just slides into this process of it becoming and revealing itself and what's there and what needs to be next. And everything just kind of flows from that. And and again, it's exactly, for me, what what reading the cards is like. Mm-hmm. I, I, start with, I start with a notion. I'm going to use the, this spread. Um, and then everything just starts to expand and unfold from there. And, you know, and especially in, you know, I, like, cause I do two hour readings with people as well and in two hour readings. I have no idea where it's going to go. I don't have like a, a concrete plan for at one hour and 27 minutes. We'll be here. I'm mm-hmm. just like, let's just, let's just like jump into the water and see what's going on. And, you know, yeah. So that, that idea of exploring and expressing and, and these kinds of things is really tremendous. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I've been doing, uh, which since you're not on social media, you probably haven't seen, is uh, I've been using art through the practice of self-portraits mm-hmm. to manifest the person that I want to become. Ooh, tell me more. So <laughs> I started with um, a picture of me mm-hmm. and... I was like, the the first one I was like, huh, what does my future self look like? And what does that look like energetically, really, is what I meant. And so I did the kind of work that I do for these magical portraits, which is, you know, overdrawing over top of a photograph and stuff. And then, and then I, I got to this place where, where it was done and I was like, wow, that's tremendous. And it, it was almost like a, like a, a, a just drawing an aura like it was so light and colorful and movement and whatever and then you know like i went back and looked at it a week later and i'm like huh all right so that's that's down the road somewhere that's not the next step what's the next step and then i started this process of just you know on an irregular basis but just going back and looking at the same photograph and being like okay what's next and then when i realized there were things that i needed to work on more um, you know, to open my, to open my heart more or to, uh, work with the spirits and the, the magic that I do more then I, then I would go back and sort of, uh, add, add and illustrate another piece in the cycle of them. And then sometimes I take them out and I look at them all in, in order. Cause there's a progression to them right. as this piece of magic that I'm working. And now it's starting to feel like I'm very close to reaching the point that I set out towards. Mm-hmm. And so then at that point, maybe I'm going to change the photograph that I'm working with 
and start mm. again and set set that marker even further out into the future. Um, you might have already said this, but let me m- make sure I'm clear. Are you? Do you feel like you're revealing or creating or both? It's it's um, it's like that future self is reaching back towards me, and I'm reaching forward towards it. So and that future self is exists um, independent. Whether is it predestined? <laughs> is it predestined? Do you know what I'm saying? Is it set in? Is it? Mm. That's I, a, one of those questions, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally understand. Um, is it predestined? In some ways, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, it's predestined because of choices that I'm making or have made, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you go down a road and you decide to get off at the exit on the highway and then you're on that road for some amount of time, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there aren't there aren't other options, right? Like, I think that's the thing that people looking at the future – and sort of ideas of destiny and stuff. It's like, we're not infinitely flexible at every point in time. Some moments are more changeable. Others are not. Some things require other stuff to move first. I mean, that, that's to me, that's the real power of divination is knowing what can move when and moving things in the right order to get where you want to go as smoothly as possible. Um, But yeah, I would, I would say that it is a, it is if, I wouldn't generally put it this way, but in light of your question, I would say that uh, it is moving towards the fulfillment of my destiny. Mm-hmm. And so I see it as something that um, exists as something to something fixed, uh, even though it's only fixed as a potential to mm-hmm. work towards. Okay, cool. Yeah. I get that. Um, another question then. Have you yet had an image come forth that was something you didn't like the direction it was going in. And if so, did you work to change it all? If you have not had that experience, do you think that, that in this process it's possible, you know, sometimes we may, we get a little off course or maybe Mm -hmm. make a choice that takes us away from our true blah, blah, blah. Um, Do you think something like that could come up in this practice? I think that that comes up in living the road mm-hmm. towards those points, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I think that those the, those 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 pieces of artwork are like cardinal points, or like picking a spot on the horizon to oh, work yeah, towards, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's a matter of navigating in relationship to them, and sure. so sometimes stuff happens, or I make a choice, or whatever, and I'm like. Well, shit, that's not in alignment with my future self. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need yeah. to, I need to revisit what I'm doing now. But it's mm-hmm. more about where I'm at now than than future ideas. Um, yeah, and, and I think that in the past that might have happened where I would have had more feelings or or possible like uh, problematic resonances with future things. Mm-hmm. But these days. It feels it feels more like I already know where it's going. It's a matter of it's a matter of just getting there and helping me get there more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
that's so, so delicious. Um, I kind of feel similarly at this point in my life, and I don't know if it's because I'm older or more experienced or what, Um, and I'm not sure if this even ties in for you or whatever, but people always ask me if I read for myself, Mm -hmm. and I always feel a little guilty about this, but I don't really divine for myself, except like in the art, which is like kind of spontaneous and beautiful, miraculous, but like with a question, I I don't find myself having questions because I know what I'm, you know, like, like you said, I, that this is in line with my future self or my ideal self or the person I want to be. Therefore, this is what I'm going to do. Like nothing feels so hard anymore. Mm. Yeah, I, don't, I, I I agree with that. I think that I think that in walking a spiritual road and, and a path and sort of working on your growth and evolution, whatever that might mean, um, people people come to a place hopefully where their base level of alignment mm-hmm. clarifies a lot of things. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that the bumps in the road or you know, tragedies in the world or in our, in our lives and families or, you know, whatever, it doesn't, doesn't disrupt that or challenge that, but that those connections are so well-worn that, mm-hmm. um, that it comes, that it, that it comes back to alignment fairly easily. I, I don't tend to divine for myself, um, so much in, in like the, the sense that most people mean that kind of question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, partly my life is, my life is very stable, right? You know, yeah. I, mean, I have a partner that I, that we've been together for getting to be on 20 years. I have a couple of kids, you know, I have no plans to leave my home. Uh, you know, I've been running my own business for, you know, I don't know, a long time now and so on. So, so those kinds of questions I don't really have. And I'm mm-hmm. sure if I was like single and dating, I'd be like, what am I going to find someone to love? Right? Or maybe yeah. not, right? Whichever. But um, but but also the divination that I tend to do more of is I talk with spirits on a fairly regular basis and I just trust them to bring up whatever I need to know. Yeah. And so in that sense, it's a lot more of like, you know, dropping in, you know, like at the end of my work week, every week before I lock up the shop on Saturday night and go home. I check in with the spirits that I work with most at the store and basically be like, are you good? Do you need anything? Is the store good? Does the store need anything? Do I need anything? You know, and there's just this open-ended chance for them to, to chat with me about stuff. Mm-hmm. And so whatever kinds of things that, that I need usually come that way as opposed mm-hmm. to like me formulating a question or doing a spread about things. Yeah, yes, that, um, I, I think that the importance of, well, okay, this is another theme that's come up in my life a lot the past year is the importance of practice and what that means. And just by doing daily practice, daily, weekly, whatever your thing is, practices, that's a big, goes a long way in that stability that mm-hmm. spiritual stability that even when you're like, and this I can speak to a little bit and we'll speak to more next year, but you know, it is possible that that kind of grounding and connection can make even going through highly 
um, disruptive or traumatic things much easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so practice, daily practice, uh, just keeping the lines of communication open on a regular basis. So you, you don't have to have a big come to Jesus meeting or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that actually works out like well with relationships with humans in your life, right? If you touch base regularly, if you keep things open, then you never have to start a conversation with, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I, I think that... That's always the the challenge, you know, when people show up in for their come to Jesus moment, you know, in front of me or, you know, with you or whomever, right? You know, it's not that, it's not that that's not helpful for sure, but, but often it's kind of problematic and often the kinds of problems that, that people didn't get to or work on or pay attention to along the way. They're not easily resolved by a come to Jesus moment either because the answer is ultimately uh, practice or attention or a changing of pattern or, or, or making a decision that they're, they've been avoiding to make for, you know, any variety of reasons. And, you know, there, there's this notion that can, that something can happen that can change things and it can, and certainly it's possible, but often when, when it's like, you know, so everything's just falling apart right now. It's like, well, hmm, okay. What are you going to do to fix that? Are you going to engage in fixing that? You know, and and it's very mixed whether people do or they don't, you know? Right. Well, and even when it's gone that long, like you said, it gets, sometimes things get to a point where it's hard to change them. Totally. Yeah. So. Yeah. I say all of that with zero, zero judgment, you know, it's, <laughs> um, it was actually the first series of questions that started this podcast series was I, I wanted to know, I wanted to talk to other readers about why some people change and some people don't, you know? And so the first five or six episodes in the series, if you scroll back, you know, are me asking people like uh, Mary Greer and Rachel Pollack and Lon Duquette, that question, why, why do some people change and some people not, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, there there are some answers, but there aren't answers to that ultimately. That's yeah. I I worry about people who don't change because, it, like, even people who seem really wise or established, sometimes especially when they're wise and established, and they seem to just be saying the same truths year after year. Uh-huh. I I worry about that because I think well, I. Well, maybe I'm too Western Civ, but like I believe in evolution and progress. And, you know, the more you live, the more you should discover and unfurl and, you know, and, and be different. Like I always feel like if I'm going to be the same person next year as I am right now, that just doesn't feel cool to me. Mm-hmm. Well, what 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 level of difference do you do you see? What what are you hoping to be different if you can share that in a year from now. What am I hoping to be different and for myself for a year from now? Yeah. Um, I, okay, this sounds kind of childish and immaterial, but for some reason, this is really important to me right now, is I hope to be at a level with in technical skills and and inspiration 
to actually do artwork that I feel like sharing with mm. people. Um, not necessarily to sell or to say, oh, it's great, but just to share the experience of it. Right now, I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just to follow, and I don't even know if that's the end game, but just to follow that devotedly despite the ups and downs and how a lot of times it feels like a waste of time just to push through that, you know? So a year from now, I want to have continued to do that. I want to um, um, continually release some old emotional um, habits and cycles and to keep recognizing and refining them in myself. Um, It's really odd, but with a lot of my shamanic training, I've learned a lot about emotional clearing Mm -hmm. and, I, it is kind of amazing to me when I can, that I can stand outside of myself when I'm in the midst of being a horrible person to people I love, which I still do. What? No way. I can can't be, convince me. Oh, call my sister oh. <laughs> or my mom. They'll tell you. Um, I can kind of, because I remember even when I was a teenager and I was being horrible, like, I don't know why I'm doing this because I actually want to go with my family to the movie and have a good time. Why am I being this way and ruining, you know, and I couldn't stop myself. Mm. And now all these years later, thank God I can um, step outside myself and look at these behavioral patterns and say, okay, where's that trigger and how can we eliminate it? Mm. Because I no longer want to be controlled by that. Um, so continually becoming more free from old wounds and triggers that have been installed throughout my life. Um, yeah, I'm moving toward freedom and being less controlled by things that happened to me in my past. Interesting. Is that too general? No, it's fantastic. You know, I, um, maybe two years ago, I think around the time I went to the first reader studio I went to, um, I was... I was doing a lot of work around this sort of idea of being, being in my authentic, abundant joy mm-hmm. and coming out of that work. There were, there were a few things that I, that I kind of came to, which certainly for me, I have no idea if these are true for anybody else. But number one was I had this moment of like, cause I kept writing, Oh, I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free. Like, you know, and like free of this or free of whatever, and and then I just had this moment where I was like, I, I just wrote it in my journal. Like it was like this, like light bulb went on. I was like, dude, you're completely free. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do with it now? Yeah. And, and, you know, like obviously I still have triggers and obviously I still am affected by a variety of things like, you know, um, but, but it was this sort of moment of where I was like, how much how much is enough and at what point for me does the pursuing of this idea mm-hmm. keep me from living the idea mm-hmm. and uh you know and, and so th- some of the stuff that came out of that w- was changing my work schedule changing the stuff that i was offering mm-hmm. uh, stepping into offering more magical offerings and workings for people and stuff. And like, I was like, man, I just do this stuff. Then I don't need to be free to do it. I'm I'm like, I work for myself. I don't work for other people. You know, I don't have a boss, you know, I mean, I work for other people, but I don't have a boss that I need to be accountable to as such. Um, you know, and, and I think it's an interesting question 
when people do work, you know, I'm always like, when, when is the point to stop? When is enough? When is, when are you there? And mm-hmm. is it a, is it a lifelong process of evolution? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I, I, I don't have an answer to that question, but, but I find it cur- fascinating and, and, and I'm very intrigued by it when I hear other people talking about it. Yeah. Well, and the things that I'm thinking of, which ironically for me, have they don't have anything to do with work. Um, what I'm talking about right now, these triggers and things. So for me, the end goal is um, in like a specific instance, how can I love Lisa better? Mm-hmm. How can I be nicer to her? How can I treat her the way she deserves to be treated? Like the person I love most in the world, which, you know, when these old things, buttons get pressed, I don't always treat her that way. Mm-hmm. And it would, and it started breaking my heart and like, this is so unnecessary. And, you know, so how can I stop doing that? So, you know, just recognizing them and working through them important for me and making huge changes in quality of life yeah. for me and hopefully for her work related you know, like how much freedom do you need? That's really like for me, another side of the coin. And I've also been having some interesting breakthroughs in that is um, I've been trying to do more creative work, mention the artwork, but also I'm about to start a book that I was asked to write by my publisher. That's not based on tarot. Mm -hmm. So it's my first non-tarot book and it's going to be based on energy clearing and cultivation and um so in preparation of that i'm trying to conserve my creative energy and have my creative boundaries in place and it was interesting that um you know one of the things is the first thing i as i quit doing um live readings for all but my regular clients but i was still doing email readings well thinking i would you know expand the time I have for my writing, taking away from the doing readings. Weirdly enough, I got like deluged with email readings. And so then I said, okay, I'm going to not do any readings, any more readings at all for anybody until sometime in 2017 to be determined. Well, after that, I started getting like all these email, long, chatty, lovely, but kind of like, detailed emails from people who weren't necessarily friends more. And I hate to say like fans, but people who are connecting with me through my work, like, you know, my books. And I always feel the need to read them very carefully and to respond in great detail. And so after I cut off the readings, then I got all these emails. Uh, I'm like, I'm being like given kind of like a test how much do you respect your own creative energy and how, to what extent are you willing to protect it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I had to find a way to answer these emails in a polite way without inviting more interaction, you know, but closing yeah. the door nicely. Um, and so I feel like I've kind of met those challenges. So it's, it's like the social media person who like always has to have the last comment. If you also yeah. feel like you need to like have the closing comment, you know, right, right. I've gotten really good at just being like, you know, I'm just, that's, that's done. I don't need to say anything else. Yeah. Here. So, yeah. I know with, with texting, with family, I get into 
into that too. It's like, and so I just start um, sending the alien head uh, emoticon when I'm done. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, with they talk after that, fine, but I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We have uh, the, there's like a flexed muscly arm and there's a unicorn head. And both of those are, are substitutes <laughs> for check marks and are complete conversations so you know when that goes over it's like oh okay done no. message, message received we're good you know yeah it's nice to have the and it's funny how those symbols i don't know how yours came up but ours just um kind of evolved naturally over time and uh-huh. i it, actually i was thinking a little bit about that because i was thinking about um symbolism and how you know people who are learning tarot these days have to learn symbolism because our culture doesn't really have symbolism. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least that commonly shared symbolism. And I'm like, well, geez, if we were going to have symbolism today, where, what would we turn to that's most universal? And I'm like, I don't think emoticons can be symbols in that way. But like Lisa and I can have complete conversations via text using only emoticons. Mm. And it's weird. <laughs> but uh, what do you I think? think that- I think that people are um, I think people are unconsciously wise in the way of symbols. Mm. You know, I you go back and watch movies from the seventies or like old uh, movies, like even like really old movies, you know, back like from the fifties and stuff. Oh, and yeah. how much development and explication of um, context and symbol and this and that and whatever I feel like we live in such a visual society that people are permanently learning and engaging with visual symbolism all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not learning it in a, generally speaking, in a conscious way, and they're mm-hmm. not necessarily used to unpacking it. But I think that when you sit down with people and talk about it in a way that sort of shows that unpacking, which is really in some ways the way I teach my, my first beginner's class is just an unpacking of reading the visual symbolism and literacy that I think everybody already possesses. Mm-hmm. Then, then they're just like, wow. Like I, I taught a class recently and the guy, one of the guys in the class afterwards was like, when you said that I could learn to read cards in two hours, I thought you were full of it. Mm-hmm. And now I realize that you're completely right. This is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's super simple because those people already have it, right? It's there. Right. We're, right. we're watching vis- visual stuff all the time and it's only accelerating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That is a really excellent point. And movies, I mean, that makes sense that a lot of our symbol, um, connections would be formed because if you think about how theater in the beginning was always in service to religion ideas, you know, which I think is, I know religion isn't a nice word, you know, people have bad associations with it, but in its best sense, that provides us a lot of our foundation for understanding because symbols can be a great um, bridge between these vague spiritual ideas and our lives, right? Yeah. So, and movies um, are a lot like theater, you know, you're kind of in the dark, it's kind of mysterious, there's ritual associated with it, so it's sure. almost very religious. Mm-hmm. So, definitely. Yeah. 
So, so I guess, you know, my question to you is, mm. <laughs> when, when are we going to see your own tarot deck that you've illustrated? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know that you are actually a trained artist. So I think you know the answer to this is probably never, probably at my age. I I mean, I probably don't have the time and to develop the skills necessary to do professional level art for real. So, um, you know, I might do cards here and there for my own edification or whatever, but I, I uh, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, I don't like I, that answer, do you? <laughs> ah, you know what? We'll, in a year, we'll have this conversation again. <laughs> I know. And I'll probably say, oh, I'm almost done. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, the thing, so like, sure, I'm, I'm a professionally trained artist. I, I went to art school, but like I studied sculpture, you know, like I learned to weld and blacksmith and stuff, you know, I mean, I think I that. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I studied and and mostly I studied a lot of postmodern theory and and these kinds of things. And I, I went to the program that I was in frowned on aesthetics as a valuable thing in and of itself. Oh. And really was was sort of full on in this, you know, if it's not uh, a social critique of society in some way. You know, if it's not a deconstruction of the human condition with a, an accompanying 5,000 page essay, it's not really valid. And so um, it's one of the reasons I didn't make art for a long time afterwards because I was like, I hated that. I didn't really like it at all. I liked, I liked the intellectualness of it, but I didn't like it as a practice. Mm -hmm. um, so in reality, uh, like all of my, my drawing and painting type, type stuff is all completely self-taught, so... Oh, yeah. okay. Well, then let's say in two years. Perfect. <laughs> you heard it first here, people. <laughs> yes. Well, and the piece I'm working on right now is, well, I'm not making it as a card, but I'm exploring the idea of the high priestess, mm -hmm. which is one of the cards I've struggled with most of my tarot career. And, um, you know, just the ideas that I'm kind of making visual with it, I, I think are pretty cool. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It's funny. Very she's such a she's mm -hmm. such a popular card, and like so many people identify with it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was the hardest card for me to draw when I made my first deck. It was That's the it. last one that was done. It was the one that I must have drawn twenty or thirty versions of before uh -huh. I before I finally got to the right one. You know, and it was like, yeah, she was she was keeping her secrets close for sure. Well, that, and that's interesting because, yeah, so many people do identify with her, but I never did. Like, I hated her, mm. hated her until I started not hating her as hard about four years ago. Uh -huh. And, you know, and then since then, I've been kind of becoming one with her and my, ver or at least the facet she's showing me of herself, mm -hmm. um, is very different than this serene, cool, clothed woman on this throne with this closed scroll. This is not my high priestess. So mm. I, I know I don't know if anyone's going to like her, get her, understand how I feel like the one, the idea I'm having is kind of an evolution of high priestess. Um, but we can talk about that next year. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm making notes. I'm making notes. <laughs> 
we'll have to do like a YouTube video so that, or or have a um, show notes where you can have the picture of my totally, totally we will for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Well, I would love to chat with you all day, but I've got to get going and open the shop here. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for for making time again to to be on here and connect. And let me say. Uh, before before you tell people where to, to check out what you're up to, if people are looking for uh, more deep Facebook talks about spirituality and stuff like that, I have actually started a secret group where I am uh, endeavoring to build something that is kind of different than most of what's going on and encourage sort of depth and, uh, you know, discourage some of the ego-driven stuff that's out there so if you are interested in uh joining up you cannot find it anywhere you need to uh send me a message on facebook and say hey please let me into the to the secret spot and i will hook you up so but for people who want to talk more connect more with barbara but keep it short because she's busy keeping her creativity going um (laughs) where where are you doing are you still running your newsletter are you you still have your web page what are you Yeah, I I'm, I was thinking uh, your um, group might be the thing that tempts me back to Facebook, but um, but no, no, I have work to do. I cannot <laughs> visit people right now. Right, so people can find me at my website, um, taroshaman.com. I do send out a newsletter. I try to do it once a quarter, um, maybe a little bit more, but about that. Or, and you can also get my email address off the website and do feel free, you know, do, do contact me. I'm getting really good at managing my time and keeping my boundaries. And, uh, you know, I do, I do love to hear from people. So awesome. Don't well, mean to scare them off. <laughs> th- thanks again. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to chatting with you again soon. That's right. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. This has been fun as always. Yay. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And if you can do me a favor by giving us a review in iTunes, by hitting one of the share buttons in whatever way you're getting hold of this, by letting people you know who would be excited to hear these kinds of conversations know that the podcast exists, that would be fantastic and much appreciated. And either way, thank you for listening.